0: Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. We are diving straight into week three, which is actually the next last week of this series uh, called Never Go Back. And it's about finding freedom in Jesus. And here's what we've looked at over the past few weeks. God's people settle for less than his best for their lives anytime we allow any bondage to hold us captive. Whether we call it a sin, whether we call it an addiction, whether we call it like something uh, that's inherent in us, we inherited this issue in our lives. We find ourselves in bondage and the Lord says, no, I wanna set you free and so never go back. It's about getting to that place to say, Jesus, I'm ready to let some things go free in my life. I'm ready for you to set me free and say, I'll never go back. But here's the thing. If you're just joining today or you've been with us the last two weeks, uh, I want to do a little bit of review on what I call the SIP cycle, self-inflicted pain cycle. And here's where it starts. All right, so it's a cycle. It's around and around. You could actually say it's a downward spiral, but it always begins with believing a lie. Now, we don't know it's a lie sometimes when we believe it, but we believe it a lie. Did you know that every action begins with a thought? You may not lock that together, but if you dive in, what you believe, now the lie is, you know, a story that you've been told about yourself your whole life, how you were raised. And here's the truth: our parents aren't perfect, our grandparents aren't perfect, how we're raised, the people we're raised by, sometimes well-meaning people actually teach us things about ourselves that's not true. It could have been that you you've been beaten down or you feel lesser than because of how you were raised. And the truth is, that is a lie. But here's the thing. Anytime we believe lies, whether it's about ourselves or about the people around us or about the world, what happens is next we make destructive choices. And here's where pain enters our story. Pain enters the story. We have regrets. We lose relationships. We lose. I've even watched guys, people lose respect for themselves through this. They made the decision and they lose respect for themselves. The destruction that happens right there. And then here's the next part. You hate yourself. And we talked about this the last couple, over the last couple of weeks, but you may not tell everybody I hate the person that I've become. I hate the choices that I have made. But the truth is, internally, you know, and it's a battle. It's like a war in your heart, between your heart and mind going, you're not worthy, you're not worth it, and, and it's that hate. And then usually we get to this next part, which is, you know what? I will never go back and do that ever again. But here's what we learn. If nothing changes, guess what? Nothing changes in our life. And we go right back again, even though we promise to the Lord, we get right back to that place of believing a lie. And so the downward spiral continues. Now Jesus in John chapter eight, and you could argue actually throughout scripture, there's several instances where this freedom is talked about. How do you get free? Well, Jesus in John eight, he says that it's actually him that sets people free. That you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free if you obey his commandments. So let me give you kind of the understanding of what salvation and freedom in Jesus Christ. We call it new life. Anytime you see somebody get baptized here, they have a shirt on, it says new life. And let me, let me show you what that literally means. Well, it's two pieces. First is belief. Belief in faith in Jesus. This is the part where you got to get through uh, your, your fears and your doubts when it comes to faith in Christ and just go, Jesus... Even though I don't have all the answers, I'm going to believe. And this would be what we call conversion or salvation or I got saved. Let me tell you my testimony of how I got saved. But did you know as a church, that's not enough to bring freedom. Just uh, when when you get saved, yes, you get the Holy Spirit. But then there's something the Lord empowers you to do. And that's the second piece of this. So you get the Holy Spirit, but you have to decide then because I've been empowered, I'm going to obey the truth day by day. This is the difference in people who live in the anointing of the Lord regularly and those who just kind of, yeah, I go to church and and I'm I'm a Christian, but people who walk in obedience. And here's what we've said, small acts of daily obedience. It's not always these huge radical decisions. Small acts of daily obedience, what does that equal? New life in Jesus Christ. And that is my prayer for every person here. To begin to take God at his word, even, you know, sometimes we let outside influence what we see, what we see going on in our world, questions that people have about what truth really is. And we let that impact us in our decisions of whether or not we're gonna obey God. And so here's the truth we learned a few weeks ago. I wanna start here. How do we live free? How do we get free, live free? Well, we have to believe in Jesus Christ. You receive salvation you couldn't earn as soon as you believe. But then to act on it every day, small acts of daily obedience lead to radical, lifelong freedom in Christ. So if you want freedom, here's where it comes from. Small acts, daily obedience, Lord. Daily obedience, God, I'm going to do what you say. And so today, I want to look at a specific bondage that I would almost, add, and there may be somebody in the room or maybe watching and you say, this one doesn't really impact me. I'm going to ask you to lean in anyway but I'd almost be willing to bet for a betting guy on a Sunday morning that everybody here has been impacted by this bondage in some form or fashion. Here's what I'm talking about. Unholy anger. I've thought about it. Unholy anger has impacted so many homes, so many relationships. It's something that seems to live beneath the surface. We make excuses for it. We make excuses for the people we love because they live in this. Now, let me clarify something because today's message is not about righteous anger. Did you know that anger itself is not a sin? Jesus got mad. One time he came into the church, he started kicking over tables and like throwing stuff. It would have been a great day to be at church, by the way. He comes in and he's just like cleaning house. Says he makes a, he, I don't know if he ripped down a curtain, he makes a cord and he starts beating animals and sending them out. It was, it was a great day. Nobody forgets those days when Jesus shows up at church like that. So here's the thing, and what the deal was, they were sinning in his house. He said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. Y'all have turned it into a place where you're taking advantage of people. Uh-uh. So he was mad. So here's what I'd say to you. We're going to talk about unholy anger today, but did you know that I believe if you have believed in Jesus and you have the Spirit, you ought to have a little bit of fire in your bones. And what I mean by that, when you look around and you see people being treated unjustly, you know what? You ought to have a little bit of Uh-uh in me. When you see people that have needs and, and you see people that are hurting, you see people that the enemy has just, you know, pulled the wool over their eyes and they're, they're living in lies and they're destroying them. You ought to hurt for them. We ought to have a little bit of, of fire in our hearts to go, no, listen, that's what God puts in you. So that's a good kind of anger. But here's the thing. The Bible says, James says, he says, be angry, but do not sin. That's a hard thing in it. I would say the vast majority of the time, We get angry and we sin and many times we go, well, Jesus got angry. Hang on now. Jesus didn't let his lash out tear someone else down. It was all for building his kingdom. And so I read an article this week from 2015 and I found some other more modern stuff, but this one seemed to have a lot of uh, research behind it. And it said that 22% of Americans in 2015 lived angry. I think that our last two and a half years has actually made that number a lot worse. If you've ever driven on 985, you would agree like 22%. Come on, man, it's at least 50%. If you ride around, I mean, even in Gainesville, you get on the highway out here in the afternoons at the red light, I guarantee you, you can go, Nah, 50% of the, you're the horn honking and special finger gestures and windows rolled down and yelling going on out on Cleveland Highway, man. It's right here in Gainesville. And so that article said 22%. And I was like, well, that's research. I'm just going on here to say what I feel. But it also said that one in 10 Americans in 2015 had extreme anger issues, which meant that they were dangerous to themselves or to others. And so if it's one, in, you know, one out of 20, or if it's one out of five or one out of 10, you may be going, why would you take a whole Sunday in the series to talk about it? But here's the thing. If you're the person who has either already dealt with this in your life or you're dealing with just this anger, you're angry person right now, then you, un- you understand why I'm speaking this. But there's a great chance that somebody in your home, even the kids you raise, may wrestle with rage. They may just wrestle with it. It's part of our sin nature, it's part of that attack, it's part of learning to channel it and learning to let the spirit submit to it. And so I think every family is impacted by it. It may just be your co-worker, it may be your boss. And you go, listen, it's not me, but it's somebody that impacts me and I, I, I would wanna learn more. And so here's the question I wanna ask today as we begin our time together. What has anger cost you? Think back for a minute. Now, i give you a confession. I'm a pretty passionate person, but did you know what? That can always go one way or the other. That can go righteous anger. That can go passion and zeal for the Lord. That can go unholy anger and destruction, destroy everything. There's probably a few of my brothers and sisters, my friends here today, and you're going, I feel you. There's just something in you. You know what? Very passionate people have to be really careful because that can be directed in a lot of ways. But I think about earlier days in my life where anger almost cost me the trust of my wife and the relationship that we had in a season of rebuilding. Could just be real with you this morning? Anger almost cost me the inability to raise my kids well because I was so hard on them when they were really, really little because I was a 17-year-old dad trying to raise a son. And so I look back and the anger that that welled up inside of me, it was tough. And so maybe I'm preaching this message just because God wanted me to get banged around a little bit this week, maybe. But here's the deal. I pray the Lord has put me as a mouthpiece in somebody's life today and before it cost you everything that the Lord may redeem you and break you out of the cycle. Let me show you how the cycle works. I wanna give you an illustration here of how this anger sip cycle works. So first we believe a lie. Well, what's a lie? Do you know what anger always tells you? You have a right to be mad and maybe you do. I'm not arguing you don't. But what it says is, and you have a right to destroy other people's lives, and you have a right to get even, and you have a right to take vengeance. All these things are going on in your mind. You never plan on acting on it. You don't ever plan on lashing out at your spouse or lashing out at your kids. You don't ever plan on saying something to make you lose your job. You don't ever plan on that. But it starts here. You know what? You have a right to be mad about that. You ever had that fester in you before? 30 is way too holy to admit it. But listen, I'm going to admit it you have those little small thoughts, you know what, you have a right to be ticked off and you go, yes, I do. Next thing you know, you're having a conversation riding down the road and like you're plotting, you're plotting, you're like, wait till I see them the next time, they better not step out in front of me right now. You start thinking crazy stuff, all a thought, right? now. Here's the second lie. There's a lot of lies, but two of them I want to point out. One is it, it's you have a right to be mad and let that fester. But it's fine to hate as long as you don't act. I think that's a lie the devil loves for every person. It's fine, man. It's, listen, it's just your feelings on the inside. You can wrestle all you want in here as long as you don't act. But, but remember the cycle. Once you believe a lie, what's the, next, what's the next thing that happens? You make a destructive choice. What happens? So, Did you know that anger doesn't always come on the outside? And Jesus knew that. We're going to look at the scripture in a second. He knew that. It wasn't always on the outside. Some people's anger is only destroying you right now. Because you had not dealt with it. Like your ability to trust, your ability to heal, your ability to have peace in your life. Never any peace because there's always a stirring inside. Well, self-destruction occurs when you don't deal with it. You know what the second thing is? Violence. Violent speech. Violent acts. You ever just, I call it vomit, (laughs) literally literally, uh, verbal vomit just all over somebody before? You go, I don't even know where that came from. I didn't even know that many four-letter words before today, but it just came out, man. So it's crazy, but we make these destructive choices and it comes out in our lives. And so here's what happens is you hate yourself for the choice you made. Why do you hate yourself? Because you lose and you live in pain. And then we start over again. You know what? I'll never go back. And there's usually a season here where after you swear, I'll never go back again, uh, Lord. And, and really for a season there is. And this may be something that's ongoing, which is what we're going to look at today. But, but I hope that maybe if you're in the peace cycle right now, you're like, Joe, Yo, I'm in a pretty good place with it. Maybe the Lord will just drive a nail in that for you and, and help you nail it down. Because here's the thing. There is ability to break the cycle, but it always starts right here. Obedience to the truth is new life in Christ when it comes to dealing with this. So you have the ability to say, Lord, I will never go back and actually mean it. And so Matthew chapter five, if you have a Bible, this is Jesus' longest compiled teaching in all of scripture. And he takes time in this message to address unholy anger. And so I'm want to walk through this passage today, there are some answers on dealing it. Like when you say, specifically how do I break the cycle? What does obedience look like? Well, Jesus gives us some of that in this passage, but there's also just some powerful truths that I couldn't overlook. So even though I'm talking about anger, there's some other things that I go, man, those things have to go together because Jesus taught it here. But here's what Jesus said, verse 21, Matthew chapter five. You've heard it said, or you've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. All right, now that's going back to the 10 commandments all the way back near the beginning of your Bible. Thou shalt not kill, right? You see that? That's what he's saying. You should not kill. You should not murder. You've heard it said you should not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. In other words, God is going to hold you accountable. It is a sin if you murder somebody. Here's what Jesus said. You heard it said, but I say, if you're even angry with someone, hang on, Jesus, what? If you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. Now, this is the same sentence as this. You know what he's getting at? It's a sin. If you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, now, uh-oh, we're getting deep here now, man. I expect the altar to be full this morning. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. In other words, you will be judged. There is, there is an accountability. And if you curse someone, uh-oh, like Jesus is just getting all in our business today. If you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. That sounds serious, I don't know about you, when I read it, I'm like, shoot, how have I used my words in the past that, Lord, I need you to redeem me. God, I need to like get on my face and get some freedom at the cross and forgiveness. But here's what Jesus was saying. You heard it said, but what you heard, it was the word, but you heard somebody's untruthful interpretation of the word, AKA a lie. And here's what Jesus said. You heard it said, but now I'm here to illuminate the truth. Now the first thing he said here, that's kind of a nugget of wisdom. You've heard your ans- uh, your, that your ancestors said you should not murder. Their interpretation of it. Here's, here's a nugget of wisdom. Just because something is old doesn't mean it's true. Now listen, don't you get too mad at me and send me ugly emails about what I'm about to say. But just because something got passed down from somebody you respected, maybe a grandfather or, or, or a person in your life was considered wise. If it contradicts God's word, guess what? It's not true. Neither popularity nor antiquity make something true. In our day, it seems that popularity is what decides what truth is, right? Well, as believers, here's the thing. One of the foundational things that makes followers of Jesus different, we have a standard of truth that is set by Jesus himself, by his word. And so just because it's old doesn't mean it's true. Now, I thought about this. No offense to to anybody's ancestry. There are some people that have spoken a lot of truth into our lives we didn't listen to. If I'd only listened to half the truth my grandfather spoken to me before he passed, listen, I'd probably be a lot better man here's the thing, just because somebody said something a long time ago, you always have the ability to check it with the word of God. God, is this aligned with what you say? Is your spirit also speaking this? This would save us so much harm sometimes. Jesus said this, you go on what you heard, but here's what I said. Do you know what you always have at your disposal? As Americans living in Northeast Georgia, we are especially blessed. We have access to God's word. We have the ability to get God's word and go. God, I want to. I want to see what you say. I would even challenge you this: Don't just take my word for anything I say up here. It's actually part of the church's uh, the, the freedom of the church and the blessing of the church. If you're a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit and you have access to the Word. I, I would challenge you and encourage you to go and check the Word of God for yourself. And here's the thing. We're studying little pieces of the word of God, but as you read, God will illuminate your mind to things you didn't even see, know before or things I couldn't even say before. And so I just wanna encourage you to continue to stay in the word. Why? Because I'm just a guy trying to tell you what Jesus presented to me this week and share you know, my quiet time with you and what the Lord said. It's some of the coolest stories I ever get though, are when people come back and they go, hey man, did you know? And then they'll start talking about a scripture that they've been studying that, that we talked about on Sunday and they'll start teaching me. I've learned so much from other people after they go study and they come back and go, I found something else out and I love it. Because guess what? All of our knowledge goes up. All of our ability to understand truth goes up. So if I were to simplify what Jesus is saying here, you've heard it said, don't murder. But if you're angry with unholy anger towards someone in your heart, that too is sin. Now, he's not saying that the sins are the same, murder and being angry with someone, No. Here's what he's saying. You can't write one off for the other. Why? Because your thoughts lead to actions. There's this old uh, old adage, you know, Old Testament kind of Bible piece. And you probably heard it before, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It wasn't just a Bible thing. A lot of people adopted that. Well, here's the problem. When Jesus came, he ushered in a new covenant of grace, It doesn't mean that the the first part of your Bible is not valid anymore. It means that we're not subject to that underneath those laws anymore. We're subject to Christ, which is a greater law. It's the fulfilled law. It means that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. He said, all the commands can be fulfilled if you'll just do those things. Now, I think Jesus just needed to simplify it for us because we're such busy people and he knew that we had smaller minds and we don't have time to think and reflect. So let me simplify it. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love the people around you. And so we live underneath this now. Let anger come under grace, in other words. And so Jesus is making a point that both murder and unholy anger in the heart are sin. And so look what he says here one more time. I say... If you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. So I'm keeping tabs on this. If you're wrestling in your heart. And so if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. If you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Now this word idiot is really not a literal translation of what the Bible says. It's a word, raka. And your translation, if you're reading it, may even say it, raka. And and it's really hard to understand what that word really means. But I think translation is pretty good here. But it means to defame someone's intellect, to insult them publicly because you're angry at them, to begin to try to tear down their, their intellect because you're mad. Here's what Jesus says. When you do that, that counts as sin. And so you can't just say, well, they angered me and therefore I lashed out. Whenever it says, stay you fool or curse someone, that insults a person's character, That means that sometimes there may have been a disagreement or maybe they did harm you. But instead of trying to seek forgiveness or, or getting your own heart pure again, what happens is you begin to insult their character. Instead of talking to them, you talk about them. Instead of going directly, we start posting. And what happens, man, I've seen so many people get destroyed, families get destroyed over this. That's why I'm so passionate about it this morning is maybe you're just like, hey, I'm just here for a checkup. I feel pretty good on this one. But if somebody got free, it would be worth it today. Here's a nugget of truth what Jesus was saying here. Unholy anger that leads to violent speech is sin, and there will be punishment. That's what Jesus was saying. You're going to pay for it. It's a question. How many times has unholy anger expressed itself through speech and it cost you? Maybe put your family in fear or in a fearful situation. Maybe you lost friends. Maybe you just hate yourself or you've been there before. You go, yep, yeah, man, I know you because I've been there. I've been there before. Now, what Jesus does next here is he puts some tangible steps of next steps of freedom. He says, let me give you an example, guys. Verse 23, if you're presenting a sacrifice or if you bring an offering to the Lord and you're at the altar in the temple, you, should suddenly, uh, you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. It doesn't say that you have something against someone else. You remember that they have something against you and you haven't done everything on your account. You haven't tried to make peace with the Lord or them. And if you have, then this doesn't apply. But if you haven't, he says, as soon as God brings that to mind, and maybe there's anger that wrestles in your heart about the whole situation, he says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. In other words, don't, don't offer your sacrifice yet. Stop immediately and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So what was Jesus saying? Every time you worship, do you know one of the things that you should be reminded of? To check your heart. God, am am, am I raging against someone? Is there unholy anger in my heart? Every time you worship, here's it. Every time you give, when you sacrifice or when you give a tithe or when you bring an offering to the Lord, when you give, it's also a reminder, I need to surrender my anger Jesus was sort of saying this, reconciling is better than religious duty. Showing up at church with with this this undealt with stuff in your heart, it's like you're gonna walk back right out of here and you're gonna go, man, it was a pretty good word today and the music, it was good today, but you're gonna walk back out in bondage. And that's why I love you too much to not look at you and say, man, God wants you to be free. So, Religious duty, showing up at church, it's not as great as actually trying to reconcile. He said, leave your offering and try and be reconciled. Literally, win back your friend. And I'll get to this at the end, but did you know there's only so much you can do? Sometimes we sell ourselves short and go, well, I've done everything. Really, have you? But the truth is, there's only so much you can do. There's a certain part of reconciling that's the other person's part. Jesus is getting at this. Go do everything in your power. Deal with the stuff in your heart. Do what's in your power and then leave them to the Lord. Trust the Lord. Even vengeance. If they deserve something, guess what? Did you know that everything will be repaid at one point in time? It's not just what goes around comes around because somebody may get through their whole life and never get repaid for whatever wrong they did to you. But did you know that there is a such thing as a judgment after as we move into eternity? Now, if someone has surrendered to Jesus Christ then they're gonna be forgiven and they're gonna get to enter into eternity just like you and I are. But the truth is, someone who is unrepentant and who has done things to harm you, listen, God's gonna take care of it and it's not gonna be pretty. That almost gives us freedom sometimes to go, you know what, Lord, I I can be at peace because I know you're ultimately the judge and you're a just and a righteous judge. Here's the nugget of truth, kind of with those two things in pack. Let worship and generosity prompt us to ask, do I need to lay down my anger and seek forgiveness? So every time you pray, and let me let me let me connect something here. You know this famous prayer called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know what he says? Forgive us our sins, as we forgive who? Those who sins against us. You probably prayed that. You know, if you grew up, we used to say that like at baseball games and different. You probably said that before, but never made the connection. Even in prayer, every time you pray, Jesus said, pray like this. Jesus, forgive me, and God, also, I'm going to forgive everybody that's wronged me. You didn't even know you were saying that in that prayer, but that's what you're saying. Lord, forgive me just like I'm forgiving other people. Now, what if God only forgave you based on how you were willing to forgive people who've wronged you? That'd be a tough day, wouldn't it? I think that's what he's getting at. You need to seek that out in your heart. Every time we pray, every time we worship, in your quiet time with the Lord, whatever that looks like. In your singing, as you, sometimes you can be at church going, praise the Lord Jesus, I'm singing. And all of a sudden, something will come up in your mind. That's the Spirit of God starting to wrestle in you. Sometimes you may just need to sit down and go, thanks, Michael, for leading us. But like, I got to do business with God right now. Be back with you in a minute. You know, I got to get this right. I can't, I can't bring in my worship to the Lord right now without getting this right. So every time you give tithes and offerings to the Lord, so many of you guys are just unbelievably generous in giving and and, and taking care of us as a church and also letting us do ministry. And so here's here's where I wanna press in a little bit. Every time you drop something in the bucket, every time that you go online and you click give, or every time you see your account where you've given, whether it's whatever, wherever you've been generous in Jesus' name, that should be also a prompt according to Jesus to go, God, God, Am I angry towards anyone or is there unforgiveness anywhere in my heart? See, if you really want freedom, this is a daily practice just to say, God, where do I need to lay this down? Every week, where do I need to lay it down? Because it's not a one and done thing. Now, Jesus goes on here in this last segment to kind of reiterate a point. He says, let me give you another example, guys. When you're on the way to court with your adversary, so let's just say things have gotten really bad between you and a neighbor, between you and someone else. Listen, I've even seen churches almost split over two people getting into it. And I've heard stories of it. When you're on the way to court with your adversary, if we'd only taken the Bible seriously instead of making our own way and letting the truth of the world tell us what to do, look what he says, settle your differences quickly. Do you know what he's looking at? Not the other person, he's looking at you and going, if you'll lay it down, I'll work in it. If you'll trust me, listen, I know it don't make sense. I know you don't feel it. If you'll lay it down and let me do the work behind the scenes, I'm God after all, lay it down, settle the differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge and then he describes this process who will hand you over to the officer and then you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you paid the last penny. And Jesus is sort of speaking symbolically here, but he was speaking in a language they understood. Literally, if you go to court, you lose, you get thrown in jail until you can pay the bill. But you gotta remember the spiritual implication here is Jesus addressing pride. Hey, lay it down. Instead of going and fighting it out in front of everybody, why don't you get behind closed doors or maybe in the room of safe people and go, you know what, can we pray through this? And you may say, that's not possible. Maybe not. I'm not saying every situation is, but I am saying there's times where we probably should have tried, but guess what wouldn't let me? My pride. My pride. That's what he's addressing here. You should make the first move. And he says that you can go to prison. Now, whenever you're violent, anger comes out, understandably you can go to prison, but you know that emotionally people can live in prison because they've been in this anger cycle for so long? They don't even think it's possible to truly have peace anymore. Or truly have love. And here's what he says: You won't be free again until you paid the last penny. In other words, you will lose everything. You can ultimately lose everything. The more anger causes you to fight when God says forgive, deeper roots of anger will grow into you. And so that relationship with the person you love can be destroyed. Your peace can be gone. Your reputation can be gone. So can I give you... Tangible. I kind of went back through this uh, this this passage this week, and I pulled out three specific tangible acts of obedience that can break the cycle in our lives, and I want to give them to you here. And here's the first one: Do everything in your power to make things right with the people your anger has harmed, and and this is really the key. Make the first move. Now, when I want to go back to this. It says, "Do everything in your power," because when Jesus says, "Go and be reconciled," He knows that you can't force the other party to reconcile with you. But the truth is, you can do everything in your power to make things right with people, and so you can't allow other people to hold you captive. Once you have laid it down, once you have have offered, you know, your heart to the Lord, once you have tried to seek reconciliation with the person. Here's the thing, I believe at that point you were free to come back and worship, but you have to make the first move. If you wanna break the cycle, I, I have no doubt there's probably somebody watching today and you've been living in this anger sip cycle for a long time and even now God's bringing a name and a face to your mind and here's what he's speaking to you, not to put yourself in danger, not to go back into a, a, a danger or abusive relationship, but the truth is, do everything in your power, get your heart pure if it's possible, maybe see this person in, in person. If not, maybe write them a letter. But the deal is, you've got to make the first move once the Spirit convicts you. If you want freedom, it's sort of like that quick come down that we talked about with Zacchaeus last week. Lay down your pride. So here's the second piece. According to what Jesus is teaching us here, we have to forgive those who have wronged us and caused you to harbor unholy anger. And I get it. There's probably some stories out there and you go, man, Joe, if I told you what I'd been through, if I told you what people had done to me, you would understand why I'm angry. And listen, I, I don't argue with that. I don't, know, I don't know your pain. I don't know what's happened to you. But I do know this. If unholy anger is destroying you from the inside out, then you're giving that other person power that they have no right having in your life. So I'm not saying you can't be angry still. I'm not even saying you can't be angry at God for what happened to you, but here's what I'm saying. When it begins to destroy you, forgiveness is the only path to peace. It's the only way you'll be able to lay down at night and as you close your eyes have any amount of peace. It's the only way as you try to build relationships back with maybe with your family or with someone you love. It's the only way you'll ever have peace. It's this word, forgiveness. And it it comes down to making that choice you have to forgive you may have to go back to your childhood you may have to go back to what happened to you in the past and go God I really need to just make things right with you Lord I need to offer forgiveness and then here's the secret because I think that sometimes we so wish that forgiveness was a one and done I wish I could just go God okay I've already said that prayer I've already sent that message or already written that letter Lord I'm done with it And we would wish that we could wake up the next day and never deal with it again. But to say, I'll never go back. Do you know how you break the cycle? It's this one. The third one is keep putting the peace of Jesus back on the throne of your heart all day, every day. You may have to be reminded constantly, Lord, I need your peace to come back. So so every time you worship, if that's sitting in your home and you're watching a message or you're reading the Bible, or maybe you're listening to worship music and you're worshiping the Lord, That's a good reminder for you to go, God, I need to put your peace back on my throne in my heart today. Because our world's chaotic. There's a lot of hurt. Every time you give to the Lord. So maybe you're giving a tithe or an offering. Or maybe you're doing a good deed behind the scenes for somebody else and you're letting go of money or resources God's given you. Let that be a reminder, God, let your peace be on my heart as I do this. As I give, Lord, I don't want to do so with animosity in my heart. So, Lord, every time you pull out, I thought about every time you pull out your debit card or you pull out your wallet to pay for something, it's a great reminder. Jesus connected it to you. Lord, is my heart at peace today? I want to put your peace on the throne of my heart. Every time you feel the need to self-medicate because of all that's going on inside you with the anger, Every time old emotions start rising up again, let that be a reminder. God, I need to surrender this to you. Put the peace back on the throne of my heart today. Look what the apostle Paul taught in Colossians 3. He said this. He said, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. And while our belief actually initiates that, we get the spirit of God. I think it's a day by day putting it in our boots and living it out every day. Small acts of daily obedience. What's a small act? Lord, today I'm asking you to let your peace rule the throne of my heart. Not my anger, not my hurt, not my unforgiveness, Lord. All back to you today. And so, Lord Jesus is not anger. uh, The Lord on our throne is not anger on the throne or rage or hate on the throne. It's Jesus on the throne. So here's the statement I want to make over you today. Anger has stolen enough. And if you're the person that's dealing with it, listen, anger has stolen enough from you. Or if you live in a situation where anger and and perpetual anger and dangerous anger is causing grief and fear in your life. Listen, anger has stolen enough. You got to do what you got to do to get yourself into freedom. You can be free in Jesus name, free from the cycle. But here's the question. I want to leave you with how is anger impacting you and your family and what are you willing to do about it? See, because here's the truth. Either you have been freed from this cycle at some point in time and you go, you know, Joe, my heart's at peace. I'm just praying for somebody I love today. I want you to keep praying even right now, but maybe for you, you're stuck in the cycle. You go, I I believe the lie somehow that it wouldn't hurt if I just let it in my heart and mind. And then I'm starting to make choices and stuff spewing out of my mouth. I call it vomit. You ever just vomited on somebody because you were so mad and angry? But here's the thing, you don't have to live in that lashing out. You can find peace, but you have to take the step of freedom. You know what? Forgiveness is the key. That's what it all comes down to. Whether you're worshiping the Lord, Whether you're giving, whether you're just doing good for somebody, whether you're praying, every time, forgiveness is the key. And so I want to ask you to do something really difficult. If you want the peace of God to rule on the throne of your heart, if you want to be broken out of this cycle, then you may have to come to the place of forgiveness even right now. So can I ask you to do something really difficult? In your heart... Maybe sitting on the couch or maybe you want to kneel down wherever you are at home and just go, God, I'm ready to forgive. And then just fill in the blank, John. I'm ready to forgive, James. Whoever it may be in your life, you just you to fill in, fill in the blank. Just go, God, I'm ready. Now, you may not feel it completely yet, and that's okay. It's not about feelings. It's about small acts of daily obedience. But say that, Lord, I'm ready to forgive them. And that's a starting point for you. Even letting the words come out of your mouth. Listen, God's peace already wants to come and rule, even in that battle that's going on. But then say this, Lord, will you help me to truly step this out? And then you may know of someone right now, as you worship and you just listen, you may know of someone and they really have something against you. And there's a little anger in your heart when you think about them. Will you pray this? God, will you help them forgive me and not hold this anger against me so that there's no angst here? And just pray it before the Lord. Say, God, will you just forgive me? Do you know why? Jesus talked about reciprocated forgiveness constantly. Even in the Lord's prayer, he said that we should forgive others as he has forgiven us. That's really where it comes from. If anybody had a right to be angry with us, it'd be Jesus because of how we live how we profane his name and his creation, how we don't live according to what he really wants. We settle constantly for less than his best. He should be angry with us, but because of the cross, he's ready to forgive. So as you prayed and asked God to help you uh, forgive people or seek forgiveness, the truth is you'll never be able to fully do that. Go all in for it until you come to the place where you go, God, I'm, I'm asking you, Lord, forgive me. And He will. But if you're at that place today and you go, Joe, I'm ready. I'm ready to have God's forgiveness in my life. I'm ready to have that peace on the throne of my heart. I want to lead you in a prayer and ask you to pray this with me today, right where you are. Just say this out to God. Say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me today of my sin. I'm surrendering my heart over to you. I'm asking you to let your peace rule in me, Lord. I'm ready for you to be the leader of my life. And I'm ready to live no longer in unholy anger, but in freedom. In Jesus' name. Listen today, I'm praying for you. You matter where you are right now. Even if you're still wrestling, you matter. I think heaven celebrates when people begin to forgive and get freed up and, and just get the anger out, give it to the Lord and go, God, I'm ready to live in peace. You just know this, that you're loved. There are people at Riverbend that love you and are for you. And I'm going to be praying for you today that you'll continue to step into freedom and in what God has, uh, God has called you to right now. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.